When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ah, hello. Good evening. Welcome to the Talking Cop. We have finished at the Vitality Stadium by a lovely scoreline of Bournemouth nil, Liverpool four. Here for a little post-match reaction with my two regulars, Kev, Chris. Cheers to you, lads. Kev, of course, is on his weight loss challenge, so probably not on the cans. There you go. Nice, nice mug of, nice mug of tea. No milk, no sugar, in a crack cup and all. <laughs> Kev, how did you? How did? How did you like our return after? 20 long days of no Premier League action. How'd you like that? Oh, you couldn't help but enjoy that game. It was a good game to watch. If you're a neutral watching that, it was a good game. And I can tell you, hand on heart, the weather conditions are unreal. Um, we're smack in the middle of that um, storm, Aisha, at the minute. And um, my missus just had to go and pick my daughter up from work because they closed early. Um they're expect the scaff. They're, they're doing some building work outside of her where she works, and the scaffolding came down in the wind. It's um, crazy, and the wind and the weather that they had to play in over there today was crazy. And it was just a, it was a scattergun game. Anything could happen, and it was tight. It was nip and tuck for a long time. I didn't think Bournemouth played badly. I just thought we were ruthless, and you know the old stereotypes come back. We don't do well after play, coming back off a long break. Um, what will we be like? Will we be able to pick up the pace? A lot of questions were answered today. And it set up the second half of the season brilliantly. Absolutely delighted with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, not a lot of negatives to take out of that one, is there, Chris? No, man. Perfect, perfect performance. That is a team that has decided we're winning the Football League. They've just decided mm-hmm. now that, you know, that sort of performance you want to do. And look, we saw a lot of cry arse in it in last week when City got a late winner, which is annoying, but they got one. Flick it the way around. We just won a game. We go within two points of City with a game in hand. City got a tricky away. And you think, oh, nil-nil half time is good. Second half, they blitz them 4 nil. You go, oh, for fuck's sake. That's not what we need. We are becoming that team. Will Liverpool win the league or not? I don't know. But Liverpool... I clearly realised there is a football league to win and they are going for it and going for big time. And I'm loving this Klopp, no excuse mentality, which is, we've got injuries. It's all right, I'll throw Bradley in at right back. If Jones goes in, it's all right, I'll throw Clark on. It's like you forgot Jones had gone off because Clark did the exact same job. Brilliant. And the lads who are getting loads of shit, Darwin Nunes, 
who I think gets over the top stick, is now 10 goals, 10 assists in 31 games. He's the fifth fastest to do that in a season in Liverpool's history, which is quite impressive. And I believe somebody pointed out to me on social media, I think he's the first person this year to get to double-figure goals and assists. So while we all agree he can do better finishing, things aren't as bad as as worried man Keenan to make you feel feel believe. So do you know what, guys? Just embrace it. Enjoy it. This is what you want to be in it for. We're in a title race. Enjoy it. It's great. Yeah. If uh, if you subscribe to my line of thinking, we've been in a title race since before the season even kicked off. Because if you can't think we're going to win the league, then what's the point of supporting this team right now? So yeah. before we get into it proper, uh, you guys all know the drill. If you're in here watching, please hit the like button for us. Hit us with your comments. You guys absolutely make the show what it is. Firing in with the comments there. I see a lot of the regular names in the chat there as well. Uh, just I'm going to hit it early. I'm going to hit it often. We've got our charity drive that we're going on right now. The GoFundMe page is set up. You'll find the link in the show description on YouTube, in the show description on your podcast if you're listening afterwards, on any of the Talking Cop social media. We're trying to raise 10,000 euros for both the Lighthouse in Dublin and fans supporting food banks in Liverpool. If you follow Liverpool at all, you should be well aware of what fans supporting food banks is. They're outside the ground every single day taking donations, taking money, contributions, anything from the match-going fans to support the local food banks in Liverpool, which it's not just the Liverpool food banks. We're, we're supporting the Liverpool one because we're a Liverpool football club podcast, but food banks everywhere need a ton of help because a lot of people are really struggling. And that goes the same with the, the Lighthouse in Dublin. I'm sure pretty much every major city has a place like the Lighthouse, which is there to provide hot meals for people that need it. And I mean, it's not just, uh, I've heard a few of the other, you know, Gab talking about it. It's not just people that are homeless. There are there are people that are missing meals because they got to pay the electrical bill, especially with you guys getting some, you know, rather unsavory weather over there. Uh, times are tough and people are having to make tougher decisions than I'm sure any of the three of us and a lot of people in the chat have to make. So a place like the Lighthouse where people can go and get a good meal is fantastic. And then if you're feeling lucky, there's about 50 tickets left on footballprizes.co.uk. They're £3.99 a piece. It is a double framed signed Jabby Alonso, Steven Gerrard jersey in a frame with LED lights and a little TV in it that plays highlights of the Istanbul final. And if that isn't right up your alley as a Liverpool fan, I don't know what else is. So if you get on that quick, that contest is closing quick. But that's all the housekeeping out of the way. Let's get into the lineups. Kev, not a ton of surprises. Bradley was pretty much always going to get his first uh, Premier League start for Liverpool. The front three, you can, you know, you got to pick three out of four there. The midfield, Elliot or Gravenberch, what did you think of that lineup when you saw it? Yeah, no, I was happy with it. Um, I I was just curious as how we were going to line up, who was going to play on the right, um, how we were going to set up. And when you look at what Bournemouth had on the other side of it, you know, front four with pace, guile, bit of trickery, good <laughs> delivery, and they're in form as well. So... It was going to be, you had Sinistera, uh, £25 million signing, I think, £25 million leads paid for him. And Bournemouth got him as well, and Bournemouth took him on after. So it's not as if he was going to be up against anyone. So it was always going to be a tough test for Conor Bradley and Harvey Elliott on that side as well. We'll get into a little bit of that later on. But no, I was happy enough with the, with the lineup. Um, it was just, I suppose my initial nerves was, was always, how are we going to react after the break? You know, and that was always going to be the bit of curiosity to see how we how we coped with that. 
but delighted to say we coped pretty well, even though they got off to a flying start. You know, the first three, four minutes, I think they had four corners. They were <laughs> putting us under the cosh. Ali was forced into a save. Um, but, you know, you're going away from home in, in the Premier League against a side who are in form and confident. You're going to have to suffer a little bit, you know, and ride your luck at times when when it come when it's required. But in general, I thought the lineup happy, the start got through it, um, but the way the game settled down and panned out in the as the half wore on, I thought this is going to be one of those games. This had the potential to be one of those banana skin type of games if we weren't careful. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, and I mean. Chris, I uh, I told you just before we came on, I thought we were gonna I thought we were gonna slip up today, just simply because it was a really piss poor sporting weekend for me as a fan of both the Green Bay Packers and the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, the Packers out of the NFL playoffs because referees don't know how to spot a ball, but that's a that's another podcast on its own. But uh, the big talking point, at least in the Bournemouth uh, lineup, was beforehand there were some rumors that Solanke might miss, but instead the form man is available for them. You got to have those concerns, don't you? That you know, former Liverpool player, he's got 12 goals to go against 10 that he had scored before this season. Like, he's in absolutely flying form. And, like Kev said, they came out of the traps fast. He did, you know, born for ways become a bit of a horrible away day. You know, they had a tricky start to the season, but you know, he's got things going there. Um, I was pleased we did Diaz on the right because, because of the injury they had, they were playing Mepham, who hasn't played that much. And they were given Haley, who hasn't played a lot of football, and Aaron. So you kind of thought, we well, want Pace either side to test him out. So the only concern I had with the lineup was I thought we'd have gone Gravenberch over Elliot for two reasons. One, a bit more physicality from Gravenberch. And unfortunately for Elliot, I've just i got a point with Elliot again. He's just a really good first sub. Because no matter where you put him when he comes out, he just seems to always impact the game as a first sub. But to be fair to Elliot, I just thought Elliot had a really decent, decent game. So but well, I, I think me and Kev were having this discussion the other night, and I think I predicted 10 of the lineup. I had Gravenberch over Elliot. Kev had Elliot over Gravenberch. It was literally like flip for coin. thought it's, it's one or the other. But what Liverpool have been good at this year is we always keep ourselves in games. You know, we know how to, as Kev said, we know how to suffer, but we always make sure games don't get away from us. And if we go behind, it's only by one. It's a while since Liverpool have gone 2 0 down in a league game. And we've kind of, that was always a problem last year with away games is we always got, we'd ride the storm, maybe get one, and then we can see the soft second. Yeah, There's no real soft chances being given as much now. I mean, I think I've worked out, since we last played Bournemouth in the league, in yeah. all competitions since then, which is about good 10 months now, we've lost six games in that period. You know, so as good as this season's been, this resurgence did start last season with quite a lot of players that are still at the club. And yeah. it just slowly evolved over ice. But look, I was half the lineup. The weird thing I would say is Diaz started on the right, and I'd be saying, well, we should start Diaz on the right, get his pace so he can get on the outside, plays him well. If I'm honest, I don't think it worked. Other games has worked. Today, I don't think it worked. And we'll talk about second half, but actually the switch of Diaz and Jota around second half was probably the, the key tactical change that Klopp did. And I'll be honest, we've always said, oh, Diaz should do it on the right, and Jota's crap on the right. We always think that. And today... That's what we know about football because actually yeah. both of those things proved not to be true. But no, I thought first half I was saying to Kev, it was we were messaging. I said I said it was turgid. I said it's one of those games where when they haven't got lots of 
they had half chance, we had half chance, but kind of felt we both sort of were getting used to conditions. I felt we dominated the ball, but I was at the half time going, just don't feel we were the keeper, but not really looked the massive threat. I thought first half McAllister, Van Dyke, Karate, that triangle was perfect first half. Covered what it needs to cover, kept everything clear. Bradley wasn't really left too exposed. I mean, he's allowed to bomb on to show, you know, what he's really good at, which is he's got a cracking delivery on him. So, you know, first half, I was probably a bit frustrated we didn't create anything, but I kind of went to the away game. Our away form last year was horrendous. This year, coming at nil-nil, no real big scares. Okay, let's see if we kick on second half. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Ashley L., who I believe is now the official channel stenographer for us providing <laughs> us with the post-match uh, quotes, She's got Klopp down as saying, uh, bad start from us. We gave the home team momentum. We were not flexible enough. I told the boys at halftime, good news. We weren't great, but next half, let's be great. We were calm. And I mean, like, Kev, you you said, I mean, it was, I have it down four corners within the first six minutes. Uh, but Bournemouth didn't actually have a shot on goal until the 39th minute. So like, it was no. kind of like a championship fight. You know, we kept them at arm's length. They decided that their game plan was to come out of the traps early, see if they could put one on us get a lead and then protect it at home with the adverse weather conditions and everything like that. And we just, I mean, to use the boxing analogy, it's like we had a good jab going and we just kept them at distance and they couldn't really land that big haymaker punch on us. But Chris mentioned him, and uh, I'm going to jump right to the end here and say he was my man of the match. I thought Alexis McAllister was fantastic. I think that might be his best game he's played for us. What do you think? Uh, he, was, he was very good. Uh, he got our first shot on target in the 19th minute. But just before that, there was a period of play where we were in their half. And on the counter press, on the right-hand side, you had Diaz, Elliot, and Bradley, like a triangle um, counter press that just zoomed in like hawks on prey and won it back. The, it was little things like that that I was worried about with Connor Bradley. Would he be able to learn? Would he know the trigger straight away? And it was brilliant watching some of the counter pressing in the first half. Seamless. Seamless. You thought he played good years. Yeah. The other thing as well, we were a very orthodox 4-3-3. Bradley didn't come inside. He didn't get involved in midfield. Um, we were very up and down um, tactically. It was, like you said, the triangle around McAllister was very good. McAllister's distribution was pretty was really good as well. His covering was good. Um, <coughs> what... I suppose the way I was looking at it was whatever you do, don't make a mistake because it was they were when Allison had the ball, they were committing with three, four players on a press, trying to force us to play a certain way. And once we got through that initial press, they dropped back into a low block and it became very difficult to break down. So all of the shots in the first half were um were long shots you know shots from distance nothing really threatening anything that did come threatening was from the amount of set pieces that we had and there was a few i thought when you looked at the when you looked at our players in the box against theirs i thought we have a high advantage here you mm -hmm. know um virgil and ibu were physically looking bigger stronger more powerful and i thought just get a delivery right let them go at it and in fairness, Ibu attacked one at the near post that just should have. It was it, he got a half header on it, and it sh, sh went out for a corner, and well, it should should have gone out for a second corner, but the ref missed it. But 
the talking point really for the first half is that um, tackle on um, was it on yeah. Diaz. And yes. It wasn't really tackle on Diaz, was it? But you know, let Chris go at it. But that was really the main talking point of the first half. You know, note that. Yeah, the obligatory PGML MOL chat, Chris. Uh, I yeah. will walk us through it. What are your thoughts? Okay. So it's one of those ones where forward overruns a ball and he sort of stretches for it. And in the slow-mo, you see his studs are right in the side of uh, Diaz's leg. Looks bloody painful. But at, at this one, I'll agree with Jerry Cannon. At full speed, he just kind of went into the tackle. I didn't really think much of it. This is where the frustration is, because I've got to be careful how I phrase, phrase this. Is that type of tackle we've seen the PGMLO send people off for, a la Curtis Jones. So for consistency, that should be a red card. Now, he asked me, I don't think Jones was a red card. I think it was one of those... It's a, it's a yellow sash orange where he's overrun it. He has caught him. Should get booked. That's fine. I felt the cl the Clive one. He has caught him. He should get booked for it. And that's it. The, the frustration people have is why everyone says it's a red card. And so why is we've seen so many of those types of given as red cards that when they're not, you're like, well, you've set the bar, which is you've decided that type of tackle is a red and then you don't give it. So it's one of I must admit, when I first saw the tackle like full speed, I just went, I was caught him, but I didn't. I didn't think much of it. I just thought it's one of those, you know, it's a, it's a hard 50-50. It's only easy to slow down, you know, and also slow down looks worse. So I don't think it's a red card, but I think in the, in the context that I didn't think Jones is a red card, but in the PGML, PGMOL context of what they give red cards for, for consistency, you should have gone off. So that's where it's yeah. frustrating. What was good with Liverpool is, Liverpool of last year, we'd have come out here, lost 2 nils of ball, we've gone, yeah, but they should have had a man sent off, you know, and that really cost us. And this is like, it's no excuses. That's fine. It should have been. We think it should have been said. Wasn't given. Let's carry on. Um, yeah. We'll go. We'll, we'll go on and we'll take and we we'll take care of it in the second half. So that's why it's a bit of a. It's not such a black and white. It's a red. Some people will think it's a red. Um, I think it's a red in the current context of what the PGML do. That's why. Yeah. It's 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 a consistency thing for me. Before I come back to you on it, Kev, and you mentioned it there about you know watching the replays and the difference in the referee was rightly. He was the ref. No, the ref wasn't even called over to the monitor. So that's no. ridiculous. The fact that it's it's something that's worthy of a second look for the referee because it's a major turning point in the game. It mm. is potentially a clear and obvious error that the referee could have reasonably missed in the real time flow of the game. The way the game is flowing, it's possible that the ref didn't see where the boot in contact with Diaz. Give him a second opportunity for it. It was there was one in. Uh, must have been a game yesterday then where there was a potential red card check where they sent the ref over and they didn't do what they did in the Curtis Jones incident, which was have the freeze frame of the worst possible instant of the whole interaction on the screen as the referee runs over towards the monitor. It doesn't seem like they're doing that anymore. And if you're going to change the protocol or the procedures for how the VAR is looking at these potential red card challenges or how the referees are told to give red cards for, you have to put out some sort of communique so that the teams and most importantly, the fans know that like if the PGMOL said, hey, listen, we've looked at the first half of the season and we've decided that we've been giving out red cards for things that are 50-50 challenges, you know, those are footballing plays that nobody likes to see as red cards, and we're not going to do that going forward. If we'd all seen something from Howard Webb that said that, you would understand today's decision. But for me, you look at that replay, his foot is planted in the ground, 
He does not get the ball. Like, Luis Diaz's foot is planted in the ground, which makes it dangerous. He does not get the ball, and his cleats are on his ankle, on his calf region. To me, that should have been a red card. It, I, I think that's another absolute fumble from the PGMOL. Kev, what do you think? Yeah, I think it was – it falls into those – to one of those, if it's given, it's not overturned. Um, if the ref saw that in real time, then fair play to him. You know, he's not sponsored by Specsavers because that was quick. Clivert was off balance for sure. Um, and he was challenged and reaching. So he was off balance, reached in for the ball, didn't get it. It was high. It looked really bad on slow-mo. But I, I think for consistency's sake, it should have gone. But in reality, I'm kind of glad he didn't. It should have been a yellow card. I just hope. Well, it should have been a free kick at the absolute least. Look, I just hope from now on. The one thing I say the ref did today is he let the game flow, and he let fouls go, niggly little things go for for both sides, and that can go one of two ways. That can bubble up, and you see the frustration that happened in the first in the two o'clock game today where it ended up in red cards for people and second yellows. Or the other side of it is the players can like take it within themselves. Okay, he's letting a bit go. We can get away with a little bit. Just don't go over the top with it. So I mean, the more you see this in slow-mo, the worse it is. The more yeah, you see I, this in slow-mo, the worse it is. And it re- is really bad. But Matt, what you were saying there about them not showing the freeze frame at the first was, instance when they go to the monitor, is pretty much exactly what we all said should happen yeah, at the, after the Curtis Jones thing. So if that is what's happening now, then fine. I'm all I'm all for that. But let us know. They have. Let us know for sure. Let us know for sure. Yeah. But I think the reason sure. I think the reason haven't let us know is because I think the VAR messed up for Jones because I don't think they were supposed to do that. Yeah. I think the I think it is you're supposed to show full speed first, then the freeze frames, then the slow mo. Yeah. I actually think for Spurs, it's nothing's changed. As a lot of things happened that Spurs game, they didn't follow their own process, which is where the issue is. And so, what you're saying, let, let the ref see the monitor. My issue with letting the ref see the monitor is, listen, it would it would have helped us. So, it, it wouldn't bother me. Is I probably see on three occasions the ref go to a monitor and stick to a decision. Culturally, now it is the ref's got even TV. I go, oh, it's going to the monitor. We know it's going to get given. We know it's going to get overturned. If it's wrong, yeah. we know they're going to do it. That's the culture they've created. What I think they have to do is with the the VAR is the point of a video assistant referee is they've got the most angles and the most views better than what the referee has. So actually, as much as football hate this, is it's got to go like other sports, which is just and you see it in American football, you see it in cricket, you see it in, in rugby. It's a voice in the it's a person in the air just goes, yeah, listen, you've missed that. Uh, we've seen the replay. It's over the ball. It's a leg break tackle. Not I'm saying this, but it's but as an example, it's a leg break tackle. It's a red card and all the. And then he just does the VAR side. Goes, you come here, red card. The on-field official goes, I've got to go over what I've been told. They've got better angles than me. That's it. None of this, the, the whole goal to the monitor is theatrics for the telly. Because it's also bullshit. Because they don't do anything with it. But well, listen. with the, with, you mentioned the NFL. The NFL used to do that. They used to mm-hmm. call the on-field head referee over, and he would go under a little cloth. A little hood, you know, yeah. A little, He'd put a cloak over his head and he'd look at his little monitor. Then he'd come out and it was all very dramatic. And after about a season or two, they were like, this is a waste of fucking time. Let's just have other refs, video assistant refs, make the call. Because they're also referees. 
the, the best thing you could do is what they do in NFL, and they did it in the Women's World World Cup, is mic the ref up where they press a button, it connects a tower, and it just goes VAR check for red card on Clivers, check complete, no red card. Whether you agree with it or not, it's yeah. so clear, it's so done. And they did the Women's World, and they went VAR, I think it was one of, one of the women, one of the England women got sent off. She went to a VAR check. He pointed to the player, give her a number, and said, yellow card rescinded, red card, violent conduct, and just did it to her. And she was like, everyone in the crowd went, well, we know what's going on. That was um, your one, your one, James. James. Whether you agree to it or not, I mean, it was a stone cold, it was a stone cold, it was a stone stone wall red card, yeah. But like, there was no, yeah, like, conjecture or what they've given. Whether you agree with the decision or not, it's a different matter because you still have that that lovely football debate where you go, I don't think it's a red, I don't think it's a penalty. But you know what they've given, and you know yeah. they've checked that. Yeah. And everyone, and everyone in the stadium, who are also important, are involved in the game, because then they go, "What's the ref checking? Checking for red card on him? Okay, red card given. Great. So you yeah. The only thing I would say on all of this is, if you want the process to work faster, then that's what you have to do. I I'm convinced now. The more, the more, I'm, the more football that I'm watching this season. And with the weather the way it is, where it's really cold and horrible and shitty, I'm convinced that the longer players are standing around waiting for these decisions to be made, they're picking up injuries. Because you're stopping for two or three minutes, waiting for a decision to be made, and then you're going at full tilt again. And then uh, half an hour, 20, you know, 10 minutes later, you're stopping again because they're looking at something else. Another two or three minutes, and you're going again. It's, it's not normal. You see it with rugby, with um, a player who's been uh, simbed. He'd be, he's off for 10 minutes. But for the 10 minutes, they're sat on an exercise bike, you know, yeah. just keeping their muscles moving. It's not really good. And I'm convinced that players are picking up injuries. I like Curtis Jones later on today. It was He went down after the, after the goal went in. And it was a couple of minutes standing around waiting. For the, for the game to kick off, and I'm convinced the longer these players are standing around doing nothing on the pitch, they're picking up they're picking up niggles left, right, and center. Yeah, and there that's that's a possibility. I mean, it kind of goes against having watched a lot of NFL the last couple of weeks because I watched Brock Purdy stand on the sidelines for the 49ers for the first half an hour of that football game when Green Bay drove down the field and. He didn't pick up any sort of muscle injury, but I don't think there's a huge problem with playing this extra at time or having a few stoppages. Just do some knee ups and keep yourself warm. It'll all be fine. I say that because we have a deeper squad than pretty much every single team in the league. So let everybody else pick up injuries. I think we'll survive. Let's get in through to halftime. Just before halftime, 39th minute, Bournemouth have their first shot on goal. Christy from long range. It's an easy save for Allison. Shortly thereafter, Virgil has two big blocks in our box. Uh, Bournemouth looked to be getting shot off. Virgil's in the spot again. Virgil back to his best. Uh, four and a half minutes. Connor Bradley, he's sweeping up at the back, coming across from the right hand side. We seem to have lost. Ed will soldier on without him. Uh, he picks the ball up and uh, when Bournemouth depressing, clears it out. 44th minute, they flash across right to our six yard box, has absolutely nobody. McAllister just on the stroke of halftime, does great defense in the middle of the park. He sets Jada off. Ends up winning a corner from it. That's the one Kev was talking about that uh, Elliot caught Ibu Kanate's head from the corner and he headed it well wide. Get into halftime, Chris, and you got to be okay with that. You got to be okay. It's nil nil. We're away. Any weather, you know, we got all, put all your pieces over here and go. They gave us their best shot. 
and our nose ain't bloody. You know, we're doing okay. Yeah, are you panicking so. at halftime or are you confident? Uh, I also panicking. A little frustrated because I was more like, we've been, I think I was like, we were quite dominant. I thought the ball had really created a lot. I think Bournemouth's best chance came from, I think Alice tried to throw, throw the ball out too quick and threw it straight to a Bournemouth player, which is not the best. So, but that's kind of how we've been going away from home is you kind of sort of work through the first half and the second half seems to be a bit better. I think I think we're still trying to work, break up the um, away day who do in terms of performance, not in terms of results. Actually, in terms of results, we're doing really well away from home. Um, so um, this is the time now we're going to sort of have redemption from last year because the run of away fix we've got now, I think up until April, most of the away fix we've got now are games that we dropped points in last year and didn't win any of them. So this is a big opportunity for us. I mean, we're now 15 points off at the same point as last year. You know, yeah, that, just a bit of a difference. Eh? That, that, that's, that shows how quickly a season is. It's like most things. You're never as far away as you think you are from being good, and you're probably never as close as you think you are. So, listen, going into this season, I open admit, I thought it would be, a, I thought it would be comfortably top four, and that would be it. I had no, I, yeah. I was open and honest. I think we'll get top four. I have no, I have no issues with that because I kind of think it takes a while for the midfield to bed in. But guess what? Midfield's yeah. bedded in so much better. And to be fair, lads, that we wrote off because of injuries and form last year. Joel Matips, Joe Gomez's. I've really set some mark. Curtis Jones has stayed fit. Because Curtis Jones's problem was always fitness. It wasn't ability. You know, so that's going really well. And Harvey Elliott's just become what we need him to be, which is he's a perfect number number twelve. And we can still throw him in. And listen, we've actually dis- we've actually now got a crop of kids coming through who were really, really good. I mean, Bradley was excellent first half, you know. Good test for him because um uh, their winger is decent. And I thought actually he held up to him pretty well. Um, and he's got a lovely cross them. So I was all right. I, I did wonder what change we'd do. And give Pop his credit, you know, as much as people think he's just a man who hooks people. Um, the big change he did was he put Jota wide right and he played Diaz as a number nine second half and kept and kept Darwin left. Yeah. And that just gave a different spark because Jota doesn't have the pace of a Diaz, but he's got the trickery. And I think that's what did for Hill because yeah. I don't think he could handle Jota's trickery. And the two lads in the middle... Um, just don't like pace. They're just not built. They're, they're not built as centre backs to go against pace, and that suited Diaz to have that bit of free roll. And Darwin could just drift in when he needed to. So you've got to give Klopp credit again. Is little tactical changes by him at half time has done really well. Yeah, and I mean, Kev, uh, you, you've joined us back again seamlessly. So well yeah, done sorry. with the technology there. But this is what two, three games in a row since we've been sans Mo Salah that. At halftime, without changing the personnel, we've, we've seen Jurgen Klopp rejig the formation on the pitch, and it pays dividends. Like, the, the, the complaint, basically the only complaint that Liverpool fans had about Jurgen Klopp in the first seven, eight years of his tenure was that he didn't seem to utilize his subs well enough. We didn't have a plan B. You know, if things weren't, if the game plan wasn't working the way that we had scripted it out to work, we seem to struggle with that. And that couldn't be further from the 23-24 Jurgen Klopp playbook because once again, whether it's the substitutes and we will get on to the impact that the substitutes make in terms of goal contributions, but just that that switch that Chris is talking about of moving the three forward players around four minutes into the second half dividend. 
Yeah, um, there was other changes that he made as well because he got um, he got Joe Gomez playing inside and yeah, pushed Curtis Jones pushed Curtis Jones wider, and that was another thing that you um, that I saw was was really good. Um, I mean, that first goal all started with um, uh, what you call it, Ibu Kanata, a big hoof up front. And it was literally two, three passes, and it was all one touch. It was literally bang, 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 into Jota and finish. And it was exactly what was needed just to quicken the play up through the thirds, you know. And it's all well and good building the play up and knocking it around in the final third, looking for gaps. But when you can, move it really quickly and there's not many sides in Europe that can live with us when when we move the ball at pace like that. And it was the accuracy of the one-touch passes. Plus finish. Yeah. It was, it yeah, was a you, really, really uh, good goal. You mentioned that long pump-up, and twice that happened because Darwin did yeah. the same thing that Jones did. for uh, On the first goal, it was Jones, and Darwin did it later for one of Jada's, where there's a, a long ball that gets hoiked up into the air, and we win that high ball underneath it and somebody mentioned in the comments there that we were losing a lot of the aerial battles in the first half but we didn't we didn't lose that one curtis jones wins that one he lays it off to diogo jada and i mean first touch from diogo jada right into his path now chris is this an instinct is this an instinctive finish that darwin doesn't need to think about and that's the type of finish that darwin nunez needs because if he has too much time he'll hit the crossbar or put it into the stands or is that is I that a striker's finish? I think that's a striker's clinical finish because what Darwin would be doing before that we've seen is he'd be trying to break the ball, smash it as hard as he can. You know, it was that's becoming his finish, that little curved pass. And that's always been my frustration with Darwin is sometimes you go with it, you just need to pass it in the pass it. Because all the best strikers, Torres, Fowler, Owen, Salah at his peak, you know, they all most of they don't hit it. It's just a, it's a firm pass in the corner. That's enough. Uh, it's a great finish. And uh, it was great because Jamie Redknapp, um, one of the worst Premier League Liverpool captains ever, because he's shite. And we'll, we'll have, that could be a, it's shown itself because he does my head in. Well, his first bar about half hour was uh, Darwin's been wasteful again in the first half. I was like, he literally had one shot. And it wasn't like it was a sitter. It was like a, quite a, you know, a speculative effort. It's like, with that hurricane ninja kick that he tried? Yeah, yeah like going, I've hardly got that attacking. You know, if he volleys that first time in, we're all going, Jesus, what a goal that is. Do you know what I mean? It's like, sometimes you feel pundits, stop coming in with an agenda and just say, a bit like Catherine, say what you see. Yeah. To me, that was a great, a lovely finish. And, uh, and it's good for Darwin, because I quite like the fact that Darwin, he is get it's a, it's an opening goal or it's an equaliser. That's what you want him to get. You want to get those type of goals, not the fourth and a 4 nil win, you know, because you want his first goal to be, well, what did he score? He scored the opener. That's the key, but that's the key one. That's the one that broke the game over. Because that, yeah, all have to change their plans because then they're going, right, we are actually going to have to open up a bit more now and we'll see where that goes. Uh, breaking news, just so you know, apparently, it's all like a this for me, um, Klopp has said Mo, the plan is for Mo Salah to return to Liverpool to do his rehab. And he'll do it in Liverpool. So if he is fit before the final, then then they will send him back to the AFCOP. But the t- talk is Mugsal is on his way back to Liverpool to do his, and he's doing his rehab on Merseyside. So, 
So if he if they're saying he's fit before the final, you're looking that's probably three weeks. So And this is assuming and this is my theory is they get past the last sixteen because they've already the Egyptian FA have already said he'll miss the Cape Verde game and if he makes the last sixteen he'll miss that game. So they, they've already said he's out of those two games. I am very doubtful they'll get past the last sixteen without a Mosala. So actually this probably should be Mosala getting fit for us. So well hopefully on the way hopefully on the way back from uh, the Ivory Coast they can stop over in the Balkans, pick up some horse placenta and have him ready to go for the Arsenal and Chelsea games because I want that most I want that Mosala back in our team. Uh I mean Kev, the second half it was it was brilliant. It was maybe the best 45 we've played all season? It was. And, well, it was. it's up there. But the thing is, they weren't bad. And I'll go back to what I said at the very start. This was a really, really good win. And they didn't play badly. You know, mm-hmm. so that just go, that goes to show the level of performance and the ruthlessness that we showed in the second half. Um, none of the chances that we, we made were, you'd say, because of shoddy defending or anything like that it was good attacking play good forward play good passing and you know they bring that those goals you'd score against most good sides you know with the way that we that we were playing Connor Bradley had a header that he should have done better with in on 53 and then had a banger of a shot on 54 he said so, that in his post-match. He said that in his post-match interview. He said, he, he said uh, you look crestfall. He goes, he goes, I was raging over the over the header of this. <laughs> yeah. It was dead pad. He goes, I can't believe I missed that opportunity. So I could have got a goal. <laughs> Which yeah. is well, like. shit, boys. We've, we've jumped over it. Kev, uh, what do you think? Kieran B, I saved this comment from earlier. He says, yeah. wonder what Barr said about the Jot penalty claim. Uh, baffling. Jota first got pushed in the back for a free. Then the center back never touched the ball. Only Jota's leg. How is that not a penalty? Confusing. What did you think? It looked like it was in the area to me. I said, Chris, right at the time, it's nailed on. It's a stonewall pen. It's a nailed on foul. Every which way you look at that. If that's out in the wing, that's a foul. And we've seen fouls in that game given for those kind of shoulder-to-shoulder charges or even shoulder-to-back charges. I thought the push push was outside the box. I thought... They'll do the first foul, which is why they'll they'll do this. Not a penalty thing, so that's why I assume they didn't give it because the yeah. initial push was outside the box. I I just couldn't believe, out. yeah, I couldn't believe he allowed he allowed it to go. But like I said, he was letting a lot of stuff go, and I just thought if that's inside the box, and I thought it looked inside the box, that has to be given. That I, Kieran, I thought that was as a nailed on pen. The only mitigation is if it happen outside the box they can't go back and do anything about it they can't go back yeah they're not allowed to intervene it's just the way of the rules but i i honestly thought it was a straight up foul it looked a foul it's, it's one yeah we've watched it before one of those instant reactions that just looks a foul effort about it looks a foul so i was quite surprised yeah. it wasn't given but when, what game was it a couple of years ago where we gave away the penalty where they got out like the offside lines to figure out whether or not I think it was Fabinho fouled a Burnley player maybe Sheffield United and it was Sheffield, oh, was it it Sheffield was, United this is the COVID yeah it was year. just over the line like that's it was a penalty the, it was like, the co- it was the COVID year where Sky and their wisdom where everyone's locked in the house people are on furlough don't have much money said ah oh, Liverpool Sheffield United you can have that you can pay for it and everyone went fuck off. I'm not paying £10 to watch Sheffield United. We all found streams. Uh, yeah, they showed it. And then even they drew the lines. They actually 
post game, drew the lines again and realised the foul was outside the box anyway. Funny that, isn't it? The joys of Muppets who can't use computers. Yeah. yeah. It's, look, I just thought it was I just thought it was a pin. But I mean that was on fifty two minutes. But at this stage we were we were purring. You know, we were <laughs> yes, really we purring. were. Um it was a case where we when we were attacking, we were leaving Virgil and Ibu at the back with Dom and everyone else was just getting forward. Joe was tucking in as like an inverted left back, like Trent does on the right, creating the extra body in midfield. Curtis was staying staying wide, giving them that threat. And it it was a little tactical changes that he made in the second half that proved the that allowed us to be more dominant in that period of time. And we were um we were doing really, really well, gotta be honest. Yeah, and I mean, Chris, uh, Kev says it there, like, in the first half, we were fairly orthodox back four, you know, flying flying fullback sort of thing. But in the second half, there was a significant amount of inverted fullback Joe Gomez. And fuck me, Joe Gomez again and again and again. He is going to be – he hasn't left the club yet, so he cannot be uh, considered for one of the tribute shows that are one of our members-only shows of – Players that can't need more credit wait. than they deserve. Can't wait to Joe Gomez as well. Honestly, you- he's he's in that group because for this, if for the title winning season and this season alone, Joe Gomez deserves at minimum cult <laughs> hero status. Yeah, I, I think he's beyond cult hero. I think he's just a very very good footballer. Um, I think the thing Joe Gomez has suffered with since the title winning season is he's picked up these sort of in, quite serious injuries, not niggles, I and mean, he can't get a run of games. I think you see with Joe Gomez, when he gets a run of games, you see how crucial, how good he is, and how flexible he is, you know, because he's played all across the back four, you know, and listen, this, I can still see Joe Gomez doing it, doing a 20-minute a stint in DM at some point, just because it's bound to happen. <laughs> Why not? Center forward, center uh, forward, and he's scoring a fucking goal. He's scoring a goal. Uh, I'll tell you, he's, he's scoring the goal in a cup final. That, that's Joe Gomez's only goal for Liverpool. It's got to be a cup final goal, or the goal that wins the league. That is generally what Joe Gomez is going to do. But honestly, Gomez was, uh, he's excellent. Um, it gets to the point where everyone's going, oh, it'd be great when Trent and Robbo are back. And I'm going, in my head, I'm going, yeah, it's good because one of them could start with Gomez. And then the other, <laughs> and then Gomez could go as a right back. And then Robbo could come on a left back. I, I'm generally sort of going like, I wouldn't take him out at the moment. I always think with yeah. some players, ride the crest. And this crest of wave he's on is brilliant. So just keep playing him, which is, I think we're in a nice position where, if Trent and Robbo are back for the Fulham game, and I don't think we've ever said this at the start of the season, I can see one of them, I can see one of both come off the bench against Fulham. I can generally see us saying we're going to start Trent and Robbo in the, in the FA Cup fourth round to give them minutes to rest Joe Gomez. Which, if you'd have said that at the start of the season, you'd have generally thought it'd gone mad. Yes. I think, yeah. And I, uh, I think that most weeks. I know. As, um, you know. And Matt, you're the most positive one of, of the three of us, but <laughs> fair play. <laughs> You know, I, I generally think FA Cup 4 for out. I hope Trent and Rob will get a run out. We can just rest you I actually yeah. think I've slept. I'd start him against Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Boy. All right. Let's let's get into the absolute fun bits now. Uh, I mean, oh, 59th, the minute, 59th minute, we get the first yellow card. So this goes to what you were saying, Kev, in terms of 
of letting the game flow. Andy Madley, you know, he kept his cards in his pocket for the first half and it was great. It let the game flow. And we start to see a few changes. Uh, I'm going to throw, hold on, where did that comment go? Dan Austin, this is a great shout. He says, Gomez needs his own song, Defo. I mean, longest serving member of the team. Yes, yeah, good song. Ain't nobody like like Joe Gomez. Makes me happy. Makes me feel this way. Uh-huh. You yeah. know this one. Yeah, that's well, true. you have to yeah, you have to sing it. you have to sing it now. I ain't singing no. it, mate. Let's let's have a crowd. I've been so in the pub with him singing. No, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 but yeah, you asked for all that, didn't you? That was strange. Kev, uh, the seventieth minute, Diogo Jada gets on the ball at about the halfway line and just whips it up into the air. Darwin Nunez wins his one v one high ball battle, knocks the ball down. It kind of falls over it. It ends up Gakpo runs onto it. Plays a perfect through ball into Diogo Jada. Diogo Jada, I mean, he just scores goals. It's yeah, he's so. I think legitimately, he would start for maybe every single other team in the league except for maybe City, but he might even start for City. That's how good Diogo think, Jada is. No, I'll be honest, right? I that goal for me is all about Darwin, um, and his winning that ball. And his determination to win that ball. Everything else that happened after that, you'd expect it to happen. Jota's the the slide passed through to him. The near post shot was an absolute rasper of a shot. That shot gave the keeper absolutely no chance. Keepers, you know, people will say keepers shouldn't be ne- beaten at their near post. Well, when the ball is traveling that fast, it takes the keeper out of the equation. It was uh, an absolutely brilliant finish. And it was a clinical finish. It was. Savage. Um, I think savage was the word. Uh, yeah, sav- savage was the word I used. I just said I was savage, and it was. It was a. It was like he he hit that ball like he absolutely hated it. You know, he <laughs> he was, hit it with pure hate in his in his you, mind. If you watch the back of a telly at full speed, you see his leg about to hit it, and you don't actually see the ball again until it hits the back of no. it. He hits it that hard, exactly. you can't actually see. It's just a blur. Uh, yeah. it, it was, uh, Paul, it, Paul's right. Foul. It was just like watching a foul hit. That's how far yeah. I hit a ball. It was yeah. glorious. Oh, it was pure pure bad intentions he hit that one with. Like it was um no matter what happened. And that was the that was the icing on the cake. I mean, the rest to come was fantastic and everything like that. But I never felt I always felt that the conditions lend itself to a mistake that they could possibly get one back. But at two, I thought, nah. We were, we were home and hose at yeah. 2 0. And when it, whenever you're playing an, away from home against a side who are in form and you go 2 0 up, 70 minutes gone, you're like, yeah, that is, that's it. You know, from then, all I'm thinking about is get the clean sheet. You know, get the clean sheet, yes. get through the rest of the game as pain free as possible and manage, manage the situation. But in fairness to Bournemouth, they kept coming, you know, so. The more that they piled on, the more it opened up the other way. And it was like, it was, we were in the situation then. As long as we won the ball in the right area and managed to work work the counters properly, we were go- we could have gone three, four, five, six, whatever. But it was only because they were coming onto us more and trying to get something back that allowed us to be a bit more clinical. But yeah, yeah, Brian, exactly that. It stayed hit. That's also now 31 goal contributions from the bench in all comps with Gakpo's assist. That, and yeah. it's got to be, uh, is that is that close to double what second place is, I think? 
Probably. Like I saw that graphic and it's like, it, it was a bar chart and our bar is significantly longer than everybody else's. And this goes back to what I was saying at the halftime changes of players' formations and players' positionings on the pitch is that we are absolutely being blessed by Jurgen Klopp this year in terms of changing around the positions of the players on the pitch and changing the personnel on the pitch to affect games and to win games and to put games to bed. I mean, 31 goal goal contributions from substitutions. You put that together with what? We've scored more goals after the 75th minute than we've let in all season. Yeah. Uh, Actually, even more because we got another one today. And also, we we very rarely concede second half. Our second half uh, goals conceded is is very low. So, you know, again, that's sort of things you'll look at. I also think with the clock thing, why subs are probably better this year is has he also just got a bit more of a balanced squad with actual options, whereas it used to be the front three and Divock. And listen, Divock did great things, but it was only Divock. Whereas now you're going, yeah. we've got the front three, and you know, this is, and we've still got Gakpo to bring on, we've still got Sal to bring on, we've still got Gravenberch to bring on, and you're looking going, there's no Trent, there's no Robbo, there's no Tiago, no Pajetic. No Solace No Solace You're sort of going, ah, it's, quite, it's quite a list. You know, no Matip, you know. So you look and going, that's like seven or eight first teamers not not around. Yeah. You know, so. And that goes to this this comment here from Centurion LFC, who is some sort of San Francisco 49ers garbage fan. But he says, I reckon Liverpool are the first club in the Premier League that are geared with a squad to optimize the five subs. And again, who was Hot leading also. who was who was at the vanguard for calling for five subs? It was Jurgen Klopp. And look who's the person to be using their substitutions the best. And he just time and time again, absolutely, absolutely nailing his substitutions. I mean, we get past that magical 75th minute mark when our goal scoring really ticks into high gear, Chris. And Bournemouth have a few chances. After we make it 2-0, they've got a couple of chances. 73rd minute, McAllister's good on defense. Virgil van Dyke, he cuts in front of Solanke to give away a corner in the 77th minute. Excellent defending from van Dyke again. And then 79th minute, Diogo Jada just scores goals. He just scores. He, I mean, Darwin Nunez puts in a speculative cross. It goes a bit too far. It comes to Brad, Connor Bradley. A, yeah. I mean, Bradley puts a cross in, and this one, you know, he looks in, he proper spoons it. He spoons it in the air. doesn't mean to. Takes a touch and then cracks it in again. Because <laughs> the post match, he, he jokes with Bradley saying, like, yeah, I told him this cross wasn't very good. That's why I had to do that bit of a bit of skill. Because I bet you Bradley is going like, do I get the assist for that? Because technically you've set yourself up. I'm sure Bradley's going, please, please let me at least get the assist for that. But um, yeah, I mean 3-0. I was just saying, like, oh, this is great. Feet up. This is lovely. This, you know, we had none of this last year. Where you're like going 15 minutes ago, 10, 15 minutes ago, feet up, great. Games won. Ooh, when we play, what are we gonna do for what are we gonna do for Fulham? It's lovely. Yeah. It's actually, you know, I'm thinking we've got a few of these games that were. I've text Kev going with Tevis going. Oh, you said it's a bit boring this last ten, isn't it? Lovely, isn't it? So it's just like oh, game over this. So just uh, manage minutes, and then the only probably the only negative in the whole game is I think it's not long after that um, Jones goes Pretty down. Uh, I don't know if his ankle or his hamstring, but he goes straight down the tunnel. So the hope is. As Kev was saying to me earlier, is it's probably like the most solid thing where he's got it's like I felt a tightness and it's just sat down and gone, not risking it. And we'll just, you know, take you know, don't risk it. That's the hope. But the yeah. positive of 
Jones going off, if there is a possible or a play goal of injuries. Bobby Clark came on and excellent. Did all the things you want him to do. Does it a different way to Curtis Jones? He's more of a runner than Jones. Jones is more of a passive move uh, and, a, and a bit of a recycler of the ball. But he was excellent. He was excellent when he came on, Bobby Clark. And yeah. Owen Beck got uh, his first appearance of Liverpool as well, which was also nice to see. And I'd imagine there's a few Dundee United fans that weren't too upset about seeing Owen Beck make his debut for Liverpool, because that means that if he's not going to stay at Liverpool, the only place he can go for the second half of the Correct. season is back, to Dundee, is back to Dundee United. But, I mean, uh, there's something that I just uh, put down here, Kev, and I, I, I noticed, Kev, I have to say, I was very impressed. The uh, What was it, Burnley on Christmas? No, Boxing Day, St. Stephen's Day. You did the post-match show with Gav. I was very happy that you took notes. I couldn't do it because I was on I was on holidays, but I was very proud that you took notes for it. But I have noted down here that we had Virgil Van Dyke taking some of our goal kicks. That was a bit strange, wasn't it? Um, it's just another string to the bow. Um, it ta another tactical tweak. You know, you see a lot of keepers. Arsenal do it a lot. Um, center back. Well, their keeper, the their keepers are shit though. We've got an amazing. <laughs> Our, you know, Van Dijk plays it to Allison, draws the striker in. Allison can go into midfield. It's all set up. You you see the movement off the ball, and it doesn't matter who's playing in midfield. The movement, the triggers are everyone's in tune with it. So if it happens in the fifth minute, happens in the eighty-fifth minute after the subs, everyone knows where the ball needs to be and what the options need to be for Allison to be able to play it out. And worst case scenario, it goes back to Virgil. It. It's just another another way of being able to get the ball out against a side who are pressing really high. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm all for that. There was a there's a few things that I'd like us to improve on, especially one thing that's really I really love a set piece goal, goals from corners. Yeah. I think that we should be scoring a lot more goals from corners, given it the quality. Feel of, like our top set piece takers are all out. When you think yeah. about if you, if you went through the squad, the full fit squad, who would take your set pieces? We're down to like what six, seven? Yeah, because we but had Harvey still, Elliott taking corners. Mate, it's literally you're at the corner, you put it on the penalty spot, and you attack it. And I mean, to be fair, you Harvey do that often still, enough. Also, Harvey's delivery is normally pretty it's good because cool. he's took he's took yeah. wide free kicks. Um, I think we've got to get better at creating a block. So someone like a Virgil or a Canati can get a run at him, uh, yeah. which is what we did for Sheffield United, where we managed to do a block. I mean, also Vir Virgil just let the guy bounce off him, which is hilarious. Yeah. Which, by the way, in the last couple of minutes, I know we were jumping ahead, uh, that was still the funniest thing I've seen. Uh, Virgil gets given a bit of a hospital ball, and he just starts running left back. <laughs> and forwards, just runs at him. He just seemed bounce off him like a child. And he went, I'll play that line. I'm thinking, oh, I've not seen Virgil that for ages. This is lovely, watching where People just shit scared to go near him again. It's great. Uh, I, I have to counter Centurion LFC here. He says, enough. Why the tangerine and goal? Bring back the goal, the black in goal. As much as the blacked out murder Allison goalkeeper kit, I thought his kit tonight was quite lovely. But before we, I, before I we get on to all that I like his pink one. Yeah, the pink one is fantastic. 89th minute before we get our fourth goal, David Brooks gets in 1v1. It's the obligatory... Yeah. Fuck me, we have the best goalkeeper in the entire world. Oh, shit, like, Allison, that, Allison comes out so fast. He makes himself so big. Brooks ends up missing. Allison doesn't even put a hand on it. And then 
Joe Gomez puts in a sumptuous cross, Chris. And oh, how, do you describe, how do you describe Darwin's finish, though? Like, the, the cross, you can wax lyrical yeah. about. Tell me about the full, finish. <laughs> full stretch, two-footed, outside, outside of the right boot finish. I mean, it's a pure... Now, this is an instinctive finish, but it's not an easy one because the, the most logical one to go is with his left foot. I hit across it, but he... He likes the quite, quite likes the outside of the boot finish, and it's, it's a lovely goal. And I was just like, oh, brilliant. Uh, can't miss you teach the lads. To, I, I, I'll be honest, we don't want to talk about the women's football today because it was horrendous. <laughs> Red Steve is winding me up. <laughs> absolutely horrific today it was. Uh, and I'll be honest, uh, we had a few corners and they were just as bad. Yeah, it was very bad there at the office of the women, unfortunately. But we live and learn. Uh, but yeah, look, finish-wise, it was glorious. Um, I've sent it to you in our, in our uh, private WhatsApp group. There is a brilliant photo of Darwin, which is clearly scored the uh, after he scored the fourth goal, and he's doing like a pretend sad face towards the ball fans who still call him the shit Andy Carroll. Uh, but he's, <laughs> I, I, but it's the Darwin again. It's proper shit housery. It's not quite though, and it's still my and I still love it. The Darwin winner against Newcastle. It's still my hope when he, he's shouting "Vamos!" Obviously to the Liverpool fans, and then he looks down and he sees the obviously Newcastle fans. Around. He just winks and blows a kiss to him and walks away. Yeah. I thought, I love that little level of shit hours that he's got. As in, like, I know you're all talking about me. I don't care. I'm going to score anyway. You know, so, yeah, it was gorgeous. But listen, the cross by the cro- it's the cross that makes the goal. And if Trent does yeah. that, we are waxing lyrical. So we've got to give Joe his flowers. It's a brilliant ball. And Joe was excellent. Um, again, the only other sort of slight concern is uh, why there's eight minutes of added time? Fuck knows, because there's barely any anything happened. I think it was a late one on. Canati's ankle, which I think he played through. Hopefully, it's just a knock. And there's a couple of rumors that Joe might have took a bit of a knock. So, but hopefully, it's just like little standard knocks and giggles, and you know, they're all fine for Fulham. Because uh, I'll be honest, that, that's going to be a beast of the game on Wednesday, Fulham away. Because uh, look, Fulham at home are no mugs, and you know they'll be firing for this, and they'll, they'll have a week. And they've had a week off as well, so look forward to this. Yeah, I mean. Kev, it ends up being, you know, you get into the half and it's, we're probably the better team at a nil-nil halftime. And then we put together an absolutely comprehensive final 45 minutes. We're five points clear at the top of the league. City obviously have a game in hand. Arsenal have fallen back a little bit. Villa have fallen back a little bit. There's going to be a bit of a scrap for top four that it doesn't look like is going to be any of Liverpool's concern. Like at the current, at the current rate, if you go back to where we were in August, all of the not delusionally optimistic Liverpool fans, so not myself, were thinking, you know, get back in that top four. We're we're well better than that right now, aren't we, Kev? Like we are, whether you whether you're as delusionally optimistic as me or not, we are right in the middle of a fucking title race. And we look primed. We look good. Right? Yeah. I'm not I crazy. Think, no, I think the strength of this squad is his versatility. It's ability to adapt within games to get results. It's ability to affect change from the bench is a mentality thing. You know, it's um, I'm going to come on and I'm going to do something. And it doesn't matter who that person is, whether it's Gakpo putting in a ball for Jota or whether it's one of the young, you know, one of the young lads coming on, Owen Beck coming on and getting a running the ball up the line. You know, um, he's going to, they're going to do something in a game. The last 20 minutes to make you notice them. Um, yeah, we're I'm looking at the table now, played 
21, 21. Well, 48 points of plus 29 goal difference, which is really good. Um, we've only conceded 18 goals this season so far, one loss so far in the league. Best, de best defense in the league, yeah. And yeah. it, when you it's, look it's at how many, I mean, two of the changes when you were you, you guys were listing off the players who are missing, you're forgetting Endo and Salah, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, they're not there either. So it's like this is the period that we have to get through. This is no, you know, no jokes now. I mean, any side, every side misses a Mo Salah. So it's get through this with maximum points. Mo comes back into the into the fold with Endo, and you see, you look to where you are in March. All you can do is get from here to March and try to get maximum points. And we're we're looking like that side now that um, nobody wants to play. You know, <laughs> all of the talk coming from the media is, geez, Arsenal look good at the weekend. They got five and this and that. And Man City are like a freight train. Man City are not the Man City of old. That squad is thin. Don't, don't get it twisted. This is a, We beat Newcastle, who within an inch of their life a couple of weeks ago. Man City scraped an injury time winner to nick three points. All right, this they're a good side, they're a top, top tier side, don't get me wrong. But that squad is thin, and they're going to be going gung ho on the league and the Champions League when that starts back. I'm liking where we are. I think I you, you can't not be happy with the season, how it's panning out. I think we're doing exceptionally well. I think we're we're playing above where. Everyone thought we would be, especially after a virtual complete midfield rebuild and knowing how difficult it is to get players to come into this league and adapt and hit the hit the ground running and evolve into a new setup, a new style and the intensity that we're playing in the demands that are on a club, playing for a club like Liverpool of every game you're playing, you're under a microscope that you have to win every game. It's the not easy. The bad thing is, we've got we've played eleven away games now, and we're top of the form guide for away for away games. You know, Arsenal have got a game in hand on us for away. Um, we are, yeah, played eleven, one six, wow. draw, drawn four, lost one, twenty two points. Same as Man City, who, who have won seven, drawn one, lost. We're three. winning the league. We're winning the league. Our biggest issue coming into this season was our away form, especially against the bottom half of the table teams. If you're telling me yeah. we're top of the, we're tied top of the away tied form top. table. We're winning, and the we're tight, and we're second in we're second in the form going to Villa for home form. Villa have twenty eight points from home. We've got twenty six. Uh, they we've all played ten. Arsenal have twenty six, same as us, but they played one more game. And City have twenty one, but they've only played nine. But if they win their game in hand on us, they're still behind us. So I don't really worry about the home form. There's a couple of annoying. There's two annoying draws. You know, basically there's one annoying draw. It's the United one. I, I actually can draw against home Arsenal. Stop. Not that bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but it was only us, uh, but that's where that's where the annoyance is. But because I had to look at that check twice because I was like, because I've got my head that our away from shit. I've generally got my head that our away from pretty patchy. And when you look at it, it's better. Yeah, I think performance wise, this is the best away performance we've done in the league. Yeah, I think the FA Cup one was special, but you know, that's where we're starting to see now. We're starting now to see performance match, match results, which is a nice, a nice scenario to get. It's sort of like the build up slowly. So this, this season at the moment to me feels like when I used to watch United and Arsenal fight out for the league under the, you know, the Fergie Wenger years. 
Except so, with less throwing up in your own mouth, right? Yeah, but you know what I mean? Is like when you watch the house, look at it, it's like lots of nip and tuck and oh they lose this week, there's a point here. It's, you know, no one like there wasn't like a, this like one team was like twenty points clear, you went, Oh, league's done. It feels more like that, so there are gonna be more twists and turns in this, but it's nice to be in it. I'm quite enjoying yeah. it. It's all you want, it's all you yeah. want. You want to be in it and then get to within ten, five games to go with with your chance to win it and then look. That's nothing then to do with squad depth or anything. It's just literally have luck and the cards fall for you. And just embrace it. And fun. and yeah. just fortitude. You get down to those final three, four games. If everything's on the line, it comes down to mentality and fortitude to do it. And cannot wait because I am of the understanding that you guys are going to be over there as well as I am for that final game of the year. And fuck me. Well, I, I, I mean, I, it could oh, be a good. I, it could be a good year, boys. It could be a good, good year. I had fun and games this morning. I had to rebook my flight, so <laughs> I did. An email, I woke up to an email this morning telling me the time of my flight has changed uh, to from leaving Liverpool at midday on the Monday to uh, leaving Liverpool at six thirty a.m. on the Monday morning. I'm like, no chance. No, so no. Thankfully, what the senior Lawson made a great suggestion to check out Manchester Airport. So I managed to get a flight back from Manchester to Cork on the Monday night. So I got an extra day really in Liverpool. So happy. There you go. There you go. Because I believe most of us are sticking around until Tuesday. I don't fly back from Liverpool to Dublin until Tuesday. So that'll be... uh, well, I, I'm booking the Monday off work, so I'm gonna, so I, I can stick around. Monday well, that's well. good. We're all staying at your house, I presume, right? You live in. <laughs> no, I, I, oh, yeah. I need to. I need to you guys are staying. I can talk into segments. All right, the uh, the boss man Gav is going to be fucking upset at us because we're already at a minute and five here, and I believe we've got oh, a we Sunday night it. show coming up with Gav, Shawnee, Kev, uh, Keith, and Emmett. Presumably, yeah. all four of the guys coming on in a couple of hours here tonight. But yeah. before we go, Chris, who'd you like man of the match? Um, it's supposed to be Diogo. I mean, Diogo has gone. I, I want to give it McAllister. I just felt that's his best performance of balance. And I always think with McAllister is we got the structure around him proper, which is keep legs around him, which is what they to do to Rodri. Uh, so I'm going to go McAllister. Kev? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with it. I think Ibu Kanate was uh, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, his distribution from the back was outstanding. So if it I mean, I can understand the TV gave it to Jota and you'd have to agree two goals and his performance in the second half was was brilliant. But honourable mention, uh, Ibu Kanate for sure. But there's a few. There is a few. And you could make cases for a lot of people. Red Steve is spot on. Red no wrong answers. On. No yeah. wrong answers. No wrong answers to that question. He's dead right. Yeah, I, I I think overall, because the first half, our I think our attack was a little disjointed, and I thought Alexis McAllister was fantastic first half. So I think over the course of the 90, I think the correct answer is probably Alexis McAllister, but I'm going to give it to Diogo Jada because it reminded me there was a couple of touches he had in this game. It was the very first comment when I was just a member of the chat when I was never on this side of the camera, when I was just a regular old chat user, the very first comment that ever got read out online by Gav was, I said, when Diogo Jada dribbles the ball, it reminds me of Suarez and it makes me feel happy in my swimsuit area. So for that reason and that reason alone, (laughs) I'm going to give it to Diogo Jada because that fucking guy, 
I thought Darwin Nunez was going to fire us the goals to get us to a league title, but I think I completely slept on our little number 20 Portuguese who's better than Figo because Diogo Jota is... It's a great song. It, it is a great yeah, song, yeah. It, it is also a fantastic song. But speaking of that, I mean, everybody needs to... We need to teach the traveling cop a little bit of Spanish because the Darwin Nunez song that the Uruguayan comms that do Premier League games is fantastic. Mire, mire, que locuro. Mire, mire, que emoción. Un golazo por el Uruguayo por los rojos que derrite club. Look, oh, look at all the madness. Look, look at all the emotion. A goal for the Uruguayan for the Reds coached by Klopp. It's absolutely fucking brilliant. Darwin Nunez today, he saved my fantasy week because I had him captain and I completely fucked up. I brought in Erling Holland in exchange for Mo Salah and that was an absolute disaster. But I mean, You leave him in there for the rest of the season. You leave yes. him there now for the rest of the I, season. I'm not taking him out. I, I, I'm the only person in my little mini league with my buddies that has any belief in Darwin Nunez, and he's free points as far as I'm considering, and he's going to fucking bang goals for us, and he's going to be lifting trophies at the end of the season. I'm telling you, trophies at the end of the season. But it was a very, very good day. Thank you very much, Kev, for joining me. Thank you very much, Chris, for joining me. Everybody in the chat, I reloaded the show on YouTube about halfway through. We had like 180 people watching, and we only had about 76 people that liked the show. So come on, people. I'm like, there's at least a hundred members. Like there's a hundred of you that are paying to get our members only content in here. Hit the damn like, hit the thumbs up button. You guys know better. If you're not a member, become a member. It's four euros a month. It's a euro a week. It's absolutely hilarious. I believe Gav has four or five morning 30 shows lined up for this week. And those are worth the price of admission alone. And you get, the track, and you get great track to chat. Yes. I, I mean... Yeah. Brian O'Sullivan, no context, really, no we'll leave it at that. Brian O'Sullivan doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a John Deere tractor guy, and everybody knows that crops are green, tractors are red. Case IH all the way. Speaking of Brian O'Sullivan, Brian O'Sullivan, everybody that's in the Talking Cop members chat group is thinking of you, your wife, and your soon-to-be baby. It's her due date today, so fingers crossed for you, buddy, that you don't have to deal with this when the weather is absolutely horrible. But congratulations, eventually to Mr. and Mrs. O'Sullivan on your first child and uh, watch out for those calves that are coming when you're paying attention to the misses and not to the cows. But yeah, he's, he's a good lad, but yes, like the show, become a member if you haven't, because it's the best online Liverpool community that you will ever possibly find. Everybody in the chat is absolutely great. Please support our charity sponsors, the lighthouse in Dublin and fan supporting food bank in Liverpool through the GoFundMe link. Thank you very much to Chris Brack. Thank you very much to Kevin O'Sullivan. I've been your host, Matt. Gavin, the boys will be back in just a shade over two hours. And I cannot recommend highly enough in the meantime, in about a half an hour, Chiefs and Bills kicks off. And it'll probably be the best NFL game of the entire season. So go watch some really good football. But Liverpool 4, Bournemouth nil. Cheers to the Reds. See you later. Podcast Network.